Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition, the 10th episode of The Perfect Edge. I'm your host, Ron Pashery, and I am here with Don DiBiase, the face of the heel. What, what are all your nicknames? I, I, mean, I have so much trouble remembering all these nicknames anymore. The, the face, face of the heel, the, the heel. mouth of the bout. The whole FM podcast, Don DiBiase, Donovan the Lowdown, Lloyd. Who better than me? Who better than the Lowdown? <laughs> Donovan. Nobody. Donovan, we've made it to 10 episodes. Congratulations. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a good achievement. I've seen quite a few podcasts not make it to five, let alone 10. So, this is a, a good accomplishment. Um, the first thing I want to get into with you, obviously I talked about it on Matt Madness last week, going to Battleground in Philadelphia. We took Ek2Fly, Eric Trembicki's son, Troy to the show. It was kind of a surprise party for him. I got to sit down and watch the, the pay-per-view as if I was an eight-year-old kid all over again, which was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously your experience was different from that. I'm assuming you weren't there with... A child on his birthday. So, what was Battleground like for for the lowdown? Well, I know you got you have a segment called Ronnie versus the world. Uh-huh. Well, this is Donnie versus Matt Madness. <laughs> you guys were terrible at answering your phone mm. that night. <laughs> I was the last person in the building because I'm waiting for my Matt Madness <laughs> friends to come downstairs, and they have already left the building. <laughs> oh wait, and no one's answering their phone. Wait, this was at the end of the night or the beginning of the night? At the end of the night. <laughs> the only person I've seen was Prep, and that's because he went on a cigarette break, and I was at the merch table. What were you buying at the merch table? I, I know you answered this, but you might as well tell I bought, listeners. I bought the uh, the Battleground uh, event shirt with the, all the matches on it. Did it by any chance have the Randy and Jinder faces on the front or no? Yeah, they were at the top. Okay. Um, I'm, at, I'm probably going to get some tape and mark out Randy's face. But. <laughs> I do not blame you for that. He's been on my hit list for a while. Um, and I've seen him two nights in a row, so, you know. Oh, yeah. that, so that was a SmackDown show that you went yeah. to in Delaware. Well, b- yeah. before we get into that, because that's a whole other thing. What, uh, what were you, I know you were looking very much forward to the Punjabi prison match. What, yeah, were, your, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it's it's not a great thing to see live unless you close <laughs> up, I guess. Um, it's pretty much like watching it at home because you have to watch the the monitor up top to see what's going on inside. Um, but the 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 structure itself is beautiful. Um, I loved it. I loved the presentation that they had bringing it down the the dark Punjabi music as mm-hmm. it was uh, being released down from the ceiling. Um, and I, I mean the people around. I don't know. Like I really, we need to really start booking these things. Together because I just feel like I'm kind of like the smartest person in the areas where I sit in, and there's always like some <laughs> offended mother like near me or like just that doesn't know what's going on, and they like old wrestlers from like ten years ago or something. So I don't know. I just need more up to date wrestling fans around me or people who at least know like more stuff that's going on. But uh, as far as uh, the special guest in that match, someone uh, 
looked up on Google uh, what was going to be going on in that mm-hmm. match, and someone's like, "Oh, something, something's going to happen during the Punjabi Prison match." And I'm like, "Yeah, like the the Bollywood boys are there, so obviously something's going to happen." Yeah. And they're like, "No, no, it's going to be a special guest." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, like it's only two people." I was really hoping for Ari Divari, but you know, <laughs> Kali is a great one too. So. Kali, yeah, I did not expect Kali at all. I really, honestly, wasn't even thinking about anything like that. Yeah, I es- wasn't either. Especially because I had gotten a text uh, right before the match started from someone who was sitting down in the uh, on the floor seats that said, "I just saw the Singh brothers go under the ring." So I knew, like, okay, they're going to come out at some point, and I kind of thought that would be it. So Kali, that was a surprise to me. I didn't see it coming. Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect it at that all. I told me that information because I'm just like, uh, then like his music plays. I'm like, WWE. I'm like, somebody's always pressing the wrong button back there. Like, and then like he came. I'm like, oh snap! Like, <laughs> well, it was weird that they played Jinder's uh, music. That was really confusing to me. Yeah, I was like, he has his own music. Why didn't you just play his own music? But I was then I was just like, I guess like it, you know to kind of play people off. Like, why are why are they playing Jinder's music? Like. Because, you know, that's happened before, like, little musical glitches and things have happened. But then it's like, oh, it's like, come on, you guys are doing the glitch stuff again. And it's like, oh, great <laughs> Now, I know you said it was kind of tough watching in person. I felt the same thing. And then the screen was so high because they had it raised all the way up because the cage was yeah. up there. So yeah. you had to have your head tilted all the way back. It was like sitting in the first row at the movies. But... What do you feel like people around you were engaged in the match at all, or do you think people were kind of checked out on it? Um, well, I checked out on them because they liked Randy, um, so I wasn't really for that. Um, I was probably one of a few people in that section that liked uh, gender. Um, so, but I mean, it was kind of like was what it was. Like, it wasn't really like a lot of people high on it. Like, the spots where you know they were hitting stuff, you know, people are owing and on, but other than that, like, people were kind of like whatever. Well, yeah, Jinder took a, a pretty a pretty high fall from the inside of the cage. Obviously, one of the Singh brothers took the huge bump through the announce table. Uh, it, I, I feel like they they ultimately they they tried hard to make it come across well, but it's I think it's just too hard for the crowd to see, and it's too hard for the crowd to stay invested in it. Um, well, I watched it the day after. I actually liked the match personally. Me personally, I definitely had the best quote of the night. Off of that match, which was what? Get your modern day ass over that <laughs> cage, and which he did. Um, yeah. So, did you find it easier to watch on TV than it was in the arena? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely easier because the cameras are set up to to do that better. Um, but I, like I said, the structure itself, like I, I liked it. Like even though I couldn't really see all that was going on until it was on my side, I still liked the match overall. Um, and I know a lot of people are like not high on Jinder because they feel like he doesn't wrestle as well as others mm-hmm. or whatever, or they like Randy Orton. But the guy has a great gimmick. He has a good stable with him right now, and he has some heat on him. And I think he's doing good with it, especially having it over the uh, the duration of the summer. I like him. I like what he's doing with it. Is he going to hold it past SummerSlam? I don't think so. But for what it is, I like it. So you think Nakamura is going to take the title from him? I mean, I'll see why he wouldn't. I I don't know why. I just don't. 
not that I don't want it to happen, and I don't feel like that's going to happen. I mean, obviously that can change based on what happens over the next couple weeks on SmackDown, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe because I was so set on, I, it's like I knew from the second he won it that John Cena was ultimately going to be the one to take it from him. Obviously that won't happen at SummerSlam. I don't know. I don't know what to think, to be honest. What? I think Eck made this point, and if he did it, then I'm making it. Mm-hmm. Um, they did nothing with his 16th title reign was very trash to me. Like, I felt like they didn't play it up well enough. Like, he didn't have it for a good period of time. And I just felt like there could have been a way better build. It could have been a way, it could have been a way bigger moment than what it was. And he didn't hold it very long. So I feel like if you're going to do the 17th time, having him having the championship, do it right. Like, really build it up, really make it a big deal, make it a big thing. Don't just, like, have him win it off of a gender or somebody like that and then have the title. Like, no, it's stupid. Like, make it something big. If you're going to break Flair's record, do it right. Yeah, so my feeling was always when they were kind of insinuating he was going to get the 16, I wanted to see them have it be a struggle for him to win it. Like, he kept losing to AJ or, like, he just kept coming up short and make him, like, really work for it. So, when like, when he gets it, it's like he overcame something they obviously didn't do that so i wouldn't mind seeing them do that for 17 for him to to quote unquote break the record um i was looking for john stewart again yeah (laughs) well it'll be i mean it'll be in new york at SummerSlam, so it's it's his backyard so i wouldn't be shocked if he was there um now other things for battleground i was very disappointed in the nakamura corbin match Obviously, there was the weird finish to the Owens and AJ match. Yeah, we were all puzzled by that So in my section. What was the highlight of Battleground for you? The highlights. Hmm. Xavier Woods winning the titles for mm-hmm. New Day. And, yeah, I would probably say the, the, seeing the Punjabi prison in, in person. It was cool to see it, and like I'm, I'm kind of glad that I was there for it. I don't think I'd go out of my way to go see another Punjabi prison match in person. But I would. Would you really? That's what made me buy my ticket in the first place. So I definitely would. Huh? Yeah, I just to me it was really hard to get into it in the arena. Uh, highlight for me, yeah, like you said, Xavier Woods. That match was awesome, and how unbelievable was that elbow that he went across almost the entire ring. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's it's amazing. <clears throat> um, one of the women in uh, May Young Classic has a sicker elbow, but you know we will get to that. When we, uh, <laughs> we all see it. But, but um, Xavier Woods' elbow is definitely you know it's 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 a great move. Um, but I definitely told people in the crowd like Xavier's wrestling, they're not getting the titles here. And he wrestled. I was like, they're definitely not getting the titles here. So when they won, I'm like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah, they swerved you. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't think they were going to get it. I didn't think they were either, but I was happy they did, especially with the fact that that match was so unbelievable. Like that, yeah. it was kind of hard for anything else to compete with it after that. And Big E wasn't in it. Yeah, it, which was weird. You don't see Big E not competing very often. Just that one little stint last summer when he was out injured. Um, yeah. But other than that, he's always been there. Um, and I think Kofi has had every tag title like the last 10 years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's like the only one to hold every one that they've had in that span of time. Yeah. I think that their their dot-com interview they did after Battleground, they said that like Kofi's the most decorated tag team wrestler Tags, in the yeah. company. 
which is true. I, I personally, and some of this is biased because I, I love Xavier Woods, and but I don't know if you heard this. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Jericho podcast last year, maybe even two years ago, when they were first starting to like really get hot. Woods told Jericho that like, you know, the New Day was his idea. He went to Vince with it. Uh, he recruited Big E and Kofi, and he kind of said that his goal was to get Kofi a world title. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely heard that. Um, I would love to see it. Uh, are, are you familiar with the Wrestling Is Not Wrestling video on YouTube? Uh, no. Okay, I'll have to remind me to send it to you after this interview's over. It's definitely worth a watch. Uh, a screenwriter, Max Landis, whose dad was a filmmaker. Um, he was like a big filmmaker, like director in the 80s. So Max Landis is a screenwriter. He's written movies like Chronicle. He wrote that movie with Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart last year. I can't remember what it was called. He's written some, some significant stuff, though. He writes a TV show called Dirk Gently on BBC America. He does this video about, basically, it's like kind of explaining to people who don't watch wrestling, like, what wrestling really is. And he was tweeting the other day that he wants to see Kofi win a world title. I would love to see it. Do, do you see any chance that that could happen? If they don't give us Kofi, at least give us Big E. But I would definitely like to see Kofi get a world title. And, by the way, shout out to the BBC. Great network. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, yeah, I would love to see Kofi get a world title. I think he's one of those guys who's been there for a long time. And I, I could see already, like, in my head I'm hearing people complain about it. Like, why is Kofi the world champ? But it can't be both things. A lot of people were mad that Jinder won the title because they said, like, oh, he didn't deserve it. Well, who it, did? It, why it, did Goldberg deserve it? Exactly. I mean, I'm not, to be clear, I'm not making this argument. These are just arguments I've heard. Kofi does deserve it. Kofi has been there for a long time. Kofi has put in the work. Kofi has been part of arguably the biggest merch selling act in WWE for the last two uh, years. Ten, two years, ten years. Yeah, they, they need to, uh, I, I would love to see Kofi get it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I definitely would be happy for him, and I think he deserves it. And he's had, like, every major spot in every, like, Royal Rumble or Battle Royal in the last five years, maybe six. Yeah, well, he does like, he does something crazy pretty much every year. The Royal Rumble, like, besides the special interests, you want to see Kofi and see what he's going to do. Yeah, like, right? what could he do next? So, you know, you know people, shut up. Like, <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> Uh, moving on to WWE Live, you saw them. Was it in Was it in Wilmington? Was it in Newark? It was in Newark at uh, Bob Carpenter Center. University okay, and, and this was where Roman Reigns made his return last year, correct? Yes. Was this right before SummerSlam or right before WrestleMania? I can't remember. It was right before. It's a part of the SummerSlam Heat Wave Tour where they kind of like go to like miscellaneous uh, little places. Mm -hmm. So, um... Last year, I think it was a cup. It was the Friday before SummerSlam, I, I believe. Or was it right before? It may have been right before Battleground, actually. No, because, it was definitely before SummerSlam last year. Really? Because I, I, yeah. I thought it was during his suspension. 
And that was what he was coming back. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. When, yeah, I don't know. I know it was maybe it was. I'm not sure, but um, but he made a I, a return that night in Delaware. You were in attendance for it. Yeah, maybe it was Battleground. I don't know, but I know like Seth and Dean were fighting for the title that night, and Roman came down afterwards. So, well, now what was the reaction to Roman like that night? I mean, much like it is now, you have kids and women who are cheering him. You have men who are booing him, and you know he him acting nonchalantly and not caring. So, if commentary was there, they would have said, you know, love him or hate him, he gets a reaction. Uh, yeah, they probably would have <laughs> said all the cliche things that he was saying at the time that everyone hated. No, not, not the what is it? What is it? What was he used to, he used to say? I'm the guy or something like that. Yeah, I'm not I'm a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm yeah, the guy. I'm the guy. Uh, you're the guy who we wanted to stop using that trash. <laughs> now, what was your experience at WWE Live on the Heat Wave tour this current year? Um. Well, I went with uh. A uh, student of mine from mm-hmm. my, uh, my day job. Um, I actually sold my ticket earlier that day uh, to one of my uncles, and the kid's mother couldn't go. Um, so he told his mother, Hey, Mr. Donovan's a wrestling fan. Ask him if he wants to go. I'll give him the ticket. And I was like, I actually sold my ticket, but I actually <laughs> ended up still wanting to go. So, you know, God looked out on that one. I so you sold a ticket and ended up at the show anyway? Yeah. Uh, now, did you enjoy? Do you enjoy the house shows or the live events? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, because it's the atm- it's a smaller atmosphere, so it's not as big as you know the big uh, the uh, big uh, venues. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot smaller, um, and it's more kid based. They it's more something like where a lot of kids can go for their first show. Yeah, and it's not overwhelming by a bunch of the lights and antics and things like that. There, there's a lot more. Um, there's still a lot of good wrestling, but there's still like a lot of pandering to the kids and things like that. It's more of a put-on show for kids and people seeing WWE product for their first time live. I'm personally a very big fan of the house show. And I remember two, it must have been two summers ago, uh, they were coming here. And I asked people, like, ah, do you want to go to this? And I, kept, I was getting a lot of no's. Like, ah, I don't really want to go to a house show. We ended up getting a few people together to go, and Eric Trenbicki being one of them, he brought Troy, who at the time I guess was six, um, and it was a blast. I had never been to a house show before that, and I thought it was so much fun. I guess NXT was technically a house show when I saw them in Upper Darby. Well, yeah, because they, they didn't. That wasn't for you know. Uh pay-per-view or anything so yeah that was definitely a house show that we were all in attendance for yeah so the wwe house show jericho made a return he did a highlight reel he had a match with someone i forget who it was and this is one of my favorite moments uh troy like marked out like crazy when jericho's music hit because he didn't know jericho was going to be there we saw owens and i think cena have a no dq match Bray Wyatt and Roman had a match, I think, on that card. The wrestling on those cards is always great because yeah. it's not getting interrupted by commercial. You're not listening to Michael Cole pitch something stupid. It's just wrestling at these events. Well, well that's why I like the live show period because I don't have to hear Michael Cole. I just see the, the wrestling. <laughs> now, what matches were on this show? Uh, it was the New Day and Brizongo versus the Ascension, and 
I can't think of the other tag team. Oh, the Usos. Okay. Um, there was Shinsuke and John Cena versus. I can't think who 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 they fought that night. Was Corbin involved? No, Corbin fought Sammy. I think. Trying to think who else it could be. They mixed it up a little bit. They mixed it up a little bit um, on this card. The only one that was kind of the same that that were feuding that were in the same match was the Usos in the New Day. And I think AJ and Owens had a match again. Um, But Corbin, I think, he fought somebody other than Shinsuke. um, And no, it was Rusev and I'm trying to think who who Rusev was with. But I, I think it was Rusev and someone else, and they fought Shinsuke and John Cena. Now, yeah. I'm trying to think what I was about to ask you about this event. Was it? Did it, oh did AJ and Owens tear the house down? Oh yeah, I mean, it's AJ and Owens. Because I didn't feel like they tell, they tore the house down at Battleground. Well, I think if they if they do this again for SummerSlam. That's where we'll get something really, really amazing out of those two. Because it's like you got they're like just indie guys. Period. When they come to WWE, everyone knows that if you're, especially if you watch them on the indies, you know that their their move set is getting super stifled. Yeah. So like, I feel like if they're gonna do this for SummerSlam, they have to let them just they pull out the whole repertoire because it's like you have like two of the greatest guys who are in your company right now, Russell Wise and Mike Wise. If you don't think AJ Styles is good on the mic, you're 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 stupid, um, <laughs> but um, you have two great guys, and you have to let them go. Like I thought they would have done it at Battleground, but I'm like, okay, if you're prolonging, you got to give them what you got to give them. But if they do this at SummerSlam, they have to let them go and let them do what they do or what they've done in the Indies. Like they just have to. I think at SummerSlam they will. Like that's their biggest show other than WrestleMania. I think. They're going to go all out on that show. But we're talking about KO. I know you said that you've watched the uh, Kevin Owens DVD. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. So you bro- you did a good job of breaking down the uh, the Kurt Angle special a few weeks ago. Tell me about the Kevin Owens DVD. Um, well, pretty much it starts with uh, them telling his backstory of... Uh his parents being uh, supportive of him being a wrestler mm-hmm. and um, just kind of like his dad, uh, like just kind of him uh, going into wrestling school early and how, you know, everyone's saying like, you know, he's really good and he knows it. So like, he was kind of like <laughs> a dick about it. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, how he developed the nickname, Mr. Wrestling and uh, just like, you know, uh, it's kind of his journey to, to, throughout wrestling and just even to the part of his, um, his troubles in ROH, um, just I think it was Cornette who was like and some other people I guess giving him a hard time while he was there or something and just kinda like making it worse and how he had to go into suspension for a certain period of time and how he just came back and it was like he never left, like he was like super hot coming back and just kinda how he had to leave there and um just kinda how like how he became depressed at a period of time and things like that and just like how his dad kinda reminded him like, you know, this is something that you really wanna do, so it's not a dream like this is a goal like you have to get to it um which i thought was really you know really dope like it was like it's not a dream like it's a goal like this is something that you're gonna get done so like yeah. let's take it seriously let's do this um so just even that just even to the fact of uh 
when Sammy got his WWE contract and how, you know, he, he Sammy's kind of mindset when doing that, like, I want Kevin to witness me doing this because I want to share this moment with him. Like, right. this is for us. And Kevin kind of not taking it that way, like, in real life, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's signing this contract in front of me, like, and I'm not going. So, like, I'm kind of offended by it. Yeah. Um, so, just kind of even seeing that dynamic between them where it's like, I'm doing this because of this. And Kevin's like, I don't really see it this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just kind of, even like in the indies, just like kind of Kevin, like them people talking about like kind of how he knew knew what to do with his character, like the point of when he knew how to be faced. And then he knew how when it was time for him and uh, Sammy to uh, turn on each other and, you know, for them to feud and how that turned everything red hot for them. Yeah. Um, so it's just um, it's very in depth on a lot of his um, older stuff, which I, I found very cool that they had a lot of their old footage. Um from ROH and from the, the you know the indie days and things like that, um, and it pretty much culminates to the point of um, him winning the uh, the title and just kind of which I thought was full circle because when he won the title, Sammy was the first person to hug him and he said, "This is ours. This is for us." So I thought that was kind of a full circle moment with the whole contract thing and then him winning the title, him kind of having understanding the sentiment at that moment mm-hmm. of what Sammy was trying to do. Um, and Neville was also like you know a lot of his old older friends from that scene Neville Seth Rollins um, they all kind of commentated on it and things like that um, AJ was another guy who commentated on it um, so just a lot of different stuff like that um, trying to I know one thing that was interesting and that wasn't actually on the DVD it was on like an extra credit he um, said when he got there to NXT, he was trying to go back to wearing the singlet again, yeah. which he, he wore in his early career. He said Enzo Amore was actually the person who told him to, like, him and Finn Balor, like, the stuff you guys were doing on the indies, you have to do that here. Like, Finn doing the face paint, you have to do that here. You wearing the, you know, the shorts and the t-shirt, like, you have to do that here. And he also um, told the story about um, how the, the uh, his, his first match, the shirt that he had on, like how they 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 made a shirt mm-hmm. and they actually had duct tape on it. <laughs> really? Duct tape. Yeah, the actual duct tape KL and like I forgot who he said it was like like one of the uh, legends. I don't know if it was Dusty or uh, it was somebody and they were like that. You know that's terrible. And um, <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily they uh, had like the first couple crop of the the KL shirts with the duct tape on it, I believe. Yeah. And he actually was just like, "Hey, can I can I get one of those like, right now?" <laughs> And I think Triple H was just like, yeah, you know, it's cool when he actually came out with that shirt on. So that was one of my favorite shirts, actually. I'm still yeah. mad I didn't buy it when I had the chance. I have one. I got it Do on sale. Really? One, uh, one, probably the last batch of shirts that went on sale before they stopped putting them out. But um, I, I, yeah, I definitely have one. I have probably like three or four, four, maybe four of his shirts. Wow. I give Eric a lot of credit for this. So. I was with Eric the first time he ever saw NXT, which was that first live show in Upper Darby in, two, I guess it was May of 2015. Eric and I had only known each other for like three or four months. We'd only hung out one other time before, which I met him at the Royal Rumble a few months before. Eric knew nothing, didn't really know anybody on NXT. He might have heard a couple names here and there. And that night... We walked in there, he saw Kevin Owens, and boom, immediately buys the KO duct tape shirt. So, like, he was in on KO from, like, the first night he saw him. So I give Ed credit for that. And I want to comment on what you said. I, The only thing I've seen from that DVD is that moment you talked about when Owens walked backstage with the title and hugged Sammy and said, this is ours, this is for us. 
And I thought that was such an awesome moment. But that's even better, like, now knowing the backstory of, like you said, Sammy signed the contract in front of Kevin and said, this is for us. That is pretty unbelievable that they have that full circle. How many things in life really actually come full circle like that? Uh, it's a, it's amazing when you see how many how much stuff happens like that in, in wrestling. And I think one thing that I I think everyone will agree with WWE does great with the backstage cinematography stuff mm-hmm. as far as like the the single DVDs and just the twenty fours and things like that. Um, Seth Rollins is definitely next. His came out first, but I got Kevin Owens when I saw it. I actually had both of them, but I chose to take Kevin Owens. Uh, but I'm definitely getting uh, Seth Rollins is probably this weekend. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it was definitely just um, interesting to see. And, I'm still, like I said, I'm still surprised they had, like, a lot of his indie stuff in there um, and that that stuff got signed off, um, especially from ROH. But, I mean, I guess that's not a, a bad relationship between the two companies or whatever. But um, And I I think the most interesting thing was just Enzo telling them, too, like, no, you have to wear your, your indie stuff. Like, you guys have to do what got you here. And, you know, them kind of take heeding, taking heed to that. Yeah, that is interesting. I wouldn't expect that necessarily from Enzo. I know, like, Tyler Breeze gives a lot of credit to Xavier Woods for the Tyler Breeze character. Like he said, I couldn't come up with a character. Me and Xavier sat down one day, and we came up with this idea. He had this idea, and I kind of ran with it, but he credits Xavier. That's kind of cool that Enzo, who apparently has a lot of heat on him now, and I feel like for a lot of people, some of the luster has come off him. It is cool that he kind of played a part in those two like beloved guys, like what they've done in NXT, like when they got there. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess like once you, you know, I mean, if you're like even like they don't play it up too much. I know Kevin Nash and and Hall did when they talked about they used to watch WWE product while they were in the back at WCW. Like these guys are watching each other; they're friends, especially those who came from the you know the indie scene, um, and you know. It, they know they'll know themselves what works. Like you know, what I mean, dude, you're trying to switch it up. That's not gonna work. Like, dude, got you here. Like, that's pretty obvious. Like, they got you here, so why not continue to do it? If it doesn't work after a while, then switch it up. But you know, not everybody needs repackaging. Especially yeah. a lot of the guys coming from the indie. Right now, I know we have some uh, some non WWE wrestling stuff that you want to get wanted to get into. But before we do that, um, what what are your feelings right now? on Raw with what they're doing with the Universal title with Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar? I think it's great as far as the build-up. I do not want Brock leaving WrestleMania. Uh, SummerSlam with that title. Um, we already know that he wants to go back to the UFC. That's cool. That's fine. Leave the belt. Like, leave it, put it on, you know, put Strowman and Joe over. I mean, Roman, obviously, we know he'll get the title again at some point. But if he's not going to, you know, if he's going to just go disappear a couple months again before Mania, if he does Mania, mm-hmm. then, pu- then put it on someone who's going to be there weekly. Um, I would, I wouldn't, honestly, I, either Joe or Braun, I would be happy with. I think it would make more sense with Joe having it. Um, just because I feel like putting it on Braun, like, it'll last a long time because, like, you just made him look like the monster that he is. But I feel like Joe having it, it he'll carry the show a lot more as a leader right now rather than just a big guy who has a title who can't be beat. I absolutely agree with that. I think Joe is the right guy to hold that title. I think 
Like you said, he, he would make that title feel important. Yeah, he's um, done it before TNA, so. Yeah, he would make the title important. You know he'd be a key factor on the show every week. And you know he'll deliver like what he's there to deliver every week. So I would love to see him. And not to mention, that's another guy. He's killed himself for the wrestling industry for how long? 15, 20 years probably? Yeah, yeah, for a very long time. He deserves it. He's put in the work. His matches are great. His character work is great. His promos are great. He can work any like with any style of wrestler. Like That guy has earned it. And he's probably one of the five or six wrestlers in that company that fluently, flawlessly can do their moveset, and it's not boring. It's not like, oh, here comes his five moves. Like, no. he It's it's, it's like clockwork. Everything is in motion. It's in rhythm. And it's just like it's effortlessly done Like in each match. Uh, yes. And I think another thing that I credit him with a lot is – he came to NXT like in his 30s and he actually managed to get better still. Yeah, and they were telling him like don't look I mean they tell everyone this. Mm-hmm. Don't look forward to going to the main roster. Don't look forward to That's like this is Samoa Joe. He should have started out in the main roster, but you know, whatever. Like he he took the, you know, what they gave him and he milked it and you know, I, I, honestly, I felt like if, if anybody who knows Samoa Joe knows, like, this dude is going to make it to the main roster. There's no way that you don't get him to the main roster. Like, it's just not going to happen. Just like if they'd have put AJ Styles in there, it's like, it's not going to last long. Like, I mean, Joe was down there a lot longer than I think a lot of people expected, but mm-hmm. it's showing and proving now, like, this guy should have been on the main product. Yeah, like, he was good when he got there. But he honestly, like, continued to improve when he got there. And he's the best he's ever been right now. Um, How much credit do you give to Roman Reigns for how big Braun Strowman has gotten? Oh yeah, he's definitely he's definitely done his part. Like he's he's one of those guys, and I've like I've had my little portion where I was like, all right, I'm I've never I don't know if I've necessarily I probably have like actually hated him (laughs) at a certain point, but like. I remember when I got back into wrestling, like heavy, like he was my favorite guy. Yeah. So when they broke up, I was like, this is still my favorite guy. But I slowly started to see him becoming cornier and cornier. Mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about cornier people, Tyron Woodley. So, um, <laughs> like, I got to a point where I actually started hating him, too. But then after a while, kind of like seeing you realize, like, all right, they're pushing this guy. We may not like everything that they're doing with this guy to push him. But when he starts doing stuff like, all right, I'll take these bumps and put Braun over and making Braun look good because he's able to handle and withstand the stuff that Braun is doing and at the same same time compete and do things in the, in the match with him. You can't help but like the guy. You can't help but root for the guy. Even if you hate him, it's like you can't help but like get a guy his credit. Like you're putting on deep, good, great. Like he puts on great matches. I don't mm-hmm. care if he has a five move set, whatever. What he does is enough to make the match entertaining, and he's been doing a great job of putting Brown over and making Brown look strong, and at the same time not looking like a you know looking like a pushover himself. Like, yeah, I think it's some of the best stuff that he's done, um, and because and I I vividly remember when Braun got called up and showed up for the Wyatt family, people hated it, and then when he started having matches. People hated it, and people said like he shouldn't be there. Vince only has him here because he's a big guy, and Vince loves well, Vince big guys. Was very, Vince was upset with him at first. Triple H said that. Yeah, so 
he was getting a very negative reaction. And then people kind of hated the enhancement matches they were doing. And then slowly, he started to become an attraction. And it was still like half and half. Some people were starting to like him. Some people hated him. And then I feel like he started working with Roman. And people hate Roman so much that they just fell in love with Braun. And he does, every time he comes out there, he does something that make, that like wows you. Well, yeah, that definitely played its part. I mean, just like when the first couple times you'd be doing that, thank you, Troll, man. Yeah. It's like, because <laughs> they hate it. So he definitely played a part as far as like them hating him so much that it helped Braun get over. But I mean, some of the stuff Braun does is just crazy. Like the nip up when he, uh, I think when he fought Big Show. Yeah. And he did the nip up. This is like a 400 pound man who's like, what, six, seven or something, something yeah. like that. Like, Doing a nip up in the middle of a ring, like who does that? Like no one sees that. Even like he, even when he, uh, he almost killed uh, Apollo Crews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like you know, like that's just amazing stuff that you don't see. You see a guy trying to do a backflip and he just gets drop kicked off the ground out of, out of nowhere, <laughs> like and nearly dies and breaks his neck. Like and I don't think Apollo has wrestled since then. Really, I see. I haven't even noticed that, but that I, was a, I, a nasty bump he took. From that, yeah, so it's been all about Tazawa and the Titus brand because I think Brian almost killed him. Like, so yeah, like I pop every time he grabs Roman by the vest and just throws him, just throws him. Yeah, like <laughs> just picks him up and throws him to the mat. And I'm like, why has no one else thought to do this? Like, he has a whole vest on that's not gonna come off. Like, yeah, like on Raw this past week, I mentioned this on Matt Madness, he threw Roman from the floor <laughs> over the, the second rate. rope. Yeah. Between the second and third row, from the floor, uh, he he's a lot of fun to watch. He might he might end up being one of these guys. It's like he quote unquote doesn't need the title because he's yeah. become like a big thing unto himself. I would like to see Joe win the title, but Braun obviously will get his turn holding yeah, that title gay- at some point. He's a gatekeeper. That's I mean, and we all need those. Just like I feel like. Taker was kind of like that guy back in the day. Like, you know, he doesn't necessarily need a title, but he has stuff that he's going to do. Like, if you want to get to this tier of guys, you got to go through him. Like, he's the gatekeeper. Yeah, and Taker had his his title runs, but it's not like he had it all the time. Yeah, it wasn't like he needed it. Yeah, when, when you think of Stone Cold Steve Austin, you picture Austin holding the uh, the smoking skull belt. Or when you picture The Rock. You picture him standing up on the turnbuckle holding that title over his head. You don't picture The Undertaker with a title. You just picture The Undertaker. Yeah, with a hat and a gown or, you know, some sort of sick robe that's dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I do think, uh, yeah, Braun is that guy that he doesn't necessarily need it. Now, you've also been talking a lot about uh, women's wrestling, and since we had Vanity on the show uh, last month or two months ago, you've been investigating a lot more women's wrestling. Like you've kind of been awoken to all this other women's wrestling, and I know you have a top ten list of the top ten women who are not in the May Young Classic. So, are you ready to unveil your top ten? Absolutely. All right. So, um, this list—it's my personal list. It's not. You know, listeners, personal list. If you have a personal list, then, you know, you're more than welcome to come on. But this is my personal list. So. <laughs> and if you want to debate me on it or anything like that, you know, you can find me on the social medias. So, number one, and I know this is a pick that you will agree with. I didn't do this for you to pop for it. I did it because this is why I really want in there. <laughs> uh, Melina. Okay. Yes, I'm on board with that. 
So I definitely thought this would have been a good way to introduce her back into mm-hmm. the company. Um, Taya Valkyrie. Okay. Who is uh, the girlfriend of uh, with, uh, Johnny Nitro, or as you may know him now from uh, Lucha Underground. I can't think of his name at the moment. Um, but uh, John, uh, Johnny Mundo, sorry. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I said his name as uh, one of my monikers a couple of months ago. <laughs> Crazy. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Lufisto, who I know she on so, uh, social media has said something about that, and um, I think she kind of narrowed it to like WWE doesn't like her, you know, image or her body type or something to yeah. that extent. Um, so I definitely think she should have been in there. Um, Jordan uh, Grace, who is in a tag team with Lufisto called Team Pog. Um, so I think, and actually, Jordan Grace was backstage when. Uh, Roman ran that sem- uh, that ambulance into the back of the semi. She was the real buff looking girl back there, really? walking around. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was very uh, crazy. So she may be popping up in NXT or something soon. Just not in the Mayo Classic. Yeah. Um, Victoria. Okay. She's still wrestling, and I thought that would, uh, like I said, the same thing as Melina. That would have been a good way to introduce her back. Into yeah, the like company. she could have been like the Brian Kendrick type role. Yeah, or yeah, Tajiri. Her or <laughs> yeah, her or Malina. Well, yeah, Tajiri and, and Brian Kendrick, Melina, and Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a wrestler who has a great gimmick named Holly Dead. Okay. And I think you'll like her. Definitely go look her up. Um, she like has face paint on. She looks kind of like like a like a dead female or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly how to explain her, but look her up. You do your you know, do your Googles, do your YouTubes, look up Holly Dead, H O L I D E A D. Um Faye Jackson. Uh she's a plus size woman who, you know, is a great wrestler in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She definitely has a nice uh, a great personality that I think would have fit in well um uh, with that and, you know, she's on my list. Um, Sonya Strong, I'm a big fan of Sonya Strong. She's one of the wrestlers that I found after uh, watching uh, Vanity. Now, I remember um, you talking her, about her before we interviewed Vanity, that, that yeah. this woman popped out to you. Yeah, she's from the Bronx, New York. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, a wonderful-looking Puerto Rican chick, and she can wrestle, and I think she would have benefited well from this, this competition. Um, number nine, Kara Hogan. Uh Another uh, a female that I think wrestles very well, that's very fluent, um, and I think she would have benefited well from it. And number ten, because this is our girl, mm-hmm. and I think she she has the gimmick for it. She definitely has the move that's interesting enough for it. <laughs> the one and only Vanity. She, she had no cookie cutters in this tournament. No cookie cutters in this <laughs> tournament, you know. So I definitely think you know the tournament could use some cookie cutters, you know. So, but um, yeah, those are the ten women that I that are. Obviously, there's some people may say, "Oh, this person's missing," probably because she's in the tournament. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna name someone who's not in the tournament. Right. So Donovan, I gotta tip my cap to you for this one. I don't know if this is how much you've been talking to me over the last year, but I consider myself to be the the best person there is at pandering, and you just pandered just as good as I would have with that vanity pick to close out the list. Uh, you know, I'm, I, you know. Sometimes the hill got to give the people what they want. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that that last pick there. Um, she actually has a T-shirt out too. I want to grab it. Oh, does she really? Yeah. Where can uh, Where can people find this T-shirt? 
I don't know, but when I find it, I will post it on, on the Matt Manners Facebook page, and I will also make sure that I pro- promote it on the next uh, episode of The Perfect Edge. Yeah, and let me know. I would, I would like to buy it myself and support her career through, yep. the, through the purchase of merchandise. Um, yep. Okay, so last list that I know you have, uh, and this is, we'll move into uh, more of the combat sports section of the show after this. You have your top ten uh, people that you want to see in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, well, this may be a list of people that people want to see, or it may not. Okay. And I, I don't care. Yeah, there's one so, person uh, I think you're going to say who I don't want to see, but I'm curious if they made the list or not. Uh, well, I guess we'll both be surprised. <laughs> we um, will. Number one, Taz. Okay. I want to see Taz in there. I feel like more ECW guys need to go in for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I just thought of another guy who I don't think is in who I want to go in. So I'm going to throw in a, a extra, which is right now. I want to see Raven go in. Okay. I was a big Raven fan back in the day. I want to see Raven go in. Um, I think that's a, you know, or what was his name in WCW something, Flamingo, or back in the day? <laughs> uh, I think it was Johnny Polo. When he was a and manager, then, and then he was like something flamingo because he was in the uh, the uh, the double steel cage match with the Dangerous Alliance. I think I think Let's he was see. one of the guys. I definitely remember. No, his... he wasn't one of the guys in there, but he definitely had a match that night against Buff Bagwell. And they weren't who they were. It, like, could, it wasn't the flamingo years. kid or something like that, was it? No, he was something flamingo, and Buff Bagwell was something. Uh, Scotty Flamingo. Yeah. Yeah, I remembered him as Johnny Polo. He was like a, a valet, or he's a manager in WWF like years ago. Yeah, he was Scotty Flamingo, and I think Buff Bagwell just wanted to buy Marcus Bagwell or something like yeah. that at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, Buff Bagwell is not on this list, guys. <laughs> um, AJ Lee is my number two. Okay. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out with things with her husband, mm-hmm. um, but I think she deserves to go in if she's really done. She does. Um, RVD is number three. Also deserves it. And I don't think anyone would disagree with me. If he's done, put him in there. Yeah. Uh, number four, and this is the person who I felt should have went in there this year. No disrespect to Beth Phoenix, but I think China should go in. Oh, man, that's a great one. And I don't know anybody who would disagree with me, maybe except for Vince. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe Triple H and Stephanie. Like that, those three are it. Maybe them. Uh, number five, X Pac. He's the only member of uh, of the clique that's not in. Mm-hmm. And, he will oh, be. No, in. he's not. No, well, him and Triple H yeah. are the only two that are not in. Obviously, we know why Triple H isn't mm-hmm. in because he pretty much wrestles when he feels like it. Yeah. Um, but X Pac, just put him in there. I don't see why not. You put everybody else in. Put him in. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I guess Eric Bischoff will go in too. Uh. But he's not really click. So, but I met Eric Bischoff. He's a good guy. So, you know, I don't have anything bad to say. If you say so. <laughs> I mean, as far as business wise, I have nothing to do with that. He didn't affect my money. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. Number six. This will catch everyone off guard, I'm sure. Crash Holly. Wow. At allegedly over 400 pounds. Yes, at allegedly over 400 <laughs> pounds. I would like to see Crash Holly go in. He is a legend with the hardcore title. And I don't know why. I just want to see Crash go in. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I loved Crash Holly at that time. 
So I would not hate it if they did it with Crash Holly. Yeah, why not? Crash Holly was one of those wrestlers where, you know, he just I, – I, I don't know anyone who actually hated him. Like, he just – I don't know how you hate Crash Holly. Like, he was fun, was and that, that was part of what made – like, a lot of people think that the Attitude Era was so great because of – it was, like, more, quote-unquote, adult programming. But I think one of the reasons people look back so fondly on it is because the guys who were below the top tier – like, we're all good and they all mattered. And that's what they kind of have a hard time doing now. So Crash Holly fit into that, like, undercard for that era. That, that's part of what made that era so good. Absolutely. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Bob going, by the way. I was also a Bob Holly mm-hmm. fan when he was hardcore Holly. But neither here nor there. Number seven on the list, I'm going with Al Snow. Okay. Love Al Snow. I feel like, especially nowadays, he's teaching a lot of people about uh, teaching a lot of people wrestling. He's teaching a lot of people about the business, and I don't see why they wouldn't put him in there. Me neither. It deserves it. Uh, number eight, the shooter Dean Malenko. Okay. It's more than deserving. He's in the back already. He's one of the best technicals, if not the best technical wrestler we've probably ever seen in our lives. Agreed. I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah. No. Man of a thousand holds. Yeah, and have Flair or Arn Anderson induct him in. I'd be cool with that. That's uh, another one I think will happen sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah, like doing. I mean, he's not. He doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves. Um, but and I know he seems like a man who doesn't really care. But you know, I care. I want to see <laughs> Dean. Get, I want to see Dean get his roses while he's alive, because two other people that he's been affiliated with have not, and. I want to see it happen before anything happens to him. Yeah. Um, and if you need to know who those two people are, then, you know, I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, um, number nine, and I know Alo will pop for this if or when he hears this. I think Christian should go in. Um, if he's not wrestling, put him in. I don't see why not. Edge is already in. Put him in. Yeah. I mean, if he's done, put him in. He had a he's great career. He had a great career. He had a great run. He's worthy of it. Put him in. Had some of the best and, matches. Yeah. And he tapped the charisma. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. Like, there's not really much of a case you have to make for Christian. It's just a matter of time. At this yeah, point. and he's a little underrated because, obviously, being that he's so closely associated with Edge, how many people could live up to what Edge accomplished? Like, there's not many. So, Christian, I feel like people don't realize... He was as good as he was, only because he wasn't as good as Edge. And I feel like kind of knowing Edge's story, because I watched his uh, documentary like a while ago too. Edge kind of brung him along. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't know. I know Christian wanted to make it in WWE, anything like that. But it was kind of like Edge really was the spearhead for that, and he brought Christian along. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, he deserves to go in. Number ten, controversial pick. I've already said it before, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it again. Even Jr. has made a case for this. Chris Benoit. I don't know how they would do it. I don't know how they would get it across. But at some point in time, despite the dastardly deeds that he has done, I want his wrestling career to be acknowledged, and I want him to somehow go win. So this is the one that I said at the top. It's somebody you're going to say that I don't want to see go in. Now, I'm really curious. What was the case JR tried to make for it? 
I'm shocked yeah. that he tried to make a case for it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Jr. If it's not Jr., please don't sue me. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but somebody else said. That. Um, but it was pretty much the same case. Like, yes, he he done a tragic thing, a terrible thing, but his wrestling career pretty much allowed to speak for itself and recognize it. Um, and I, like, it's, it's it's just one of those things where it's like this guy was so good, and it ended. And the worst way it possibly could. Um, but at the end of the day, that career alone itself should be able to stand itself. Um, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if he'll ever go in. I don't know how you would even, you know, cushion it for people who may be outraged or upset for him to go in. But as for outside of his personal life and what he did, that career should be celebrated. So, while I agree that, obviously, he had an unbelievable career, like, inside the ring. And I don't, nobody could really dispute that. I talk about it anytime he's on a throwback show we do. I immediately get uncomfortable as soon as I see him. And I don't know if I ever will see him and not be uncomfortable. You're right. I don't know how they... If they just ever decided to do it, I don't know how they could do it without upsetting people. I don't know how they could do it in a way that wouldn't kind of turn people off. Uh, I So I'll ask you this question after I make this statement. For me, just based on how image conscious they are, and that whole Benoit incident that happened, despite it just being a horrible thing that should have never happened and it, it was awful, that really put a ton of heat on WWE as a company. Like they were, that was like a rough time for them. I really, I have a hard time picturing them revisiting that ever. Now, do you think that they ever would try to do that, or you just think you're solely just on the fact that the Hall of Fame is about what you did in the ring, and I want to see him go in just for that? I would think that it's just about what you've done just in the ring. I mean, even in <laughs> look at Kurt Angle when he won, and they didn't acknowledge anything he did in TNA. It was just about what he did there. Um, it wasn't really about anything in his personal life. It was about what he did in the ring and on television. Um, so do I think that they'll ever do it? Uh, I have hope. I, I hope that it, somehow, some way they can do it. I don't know how they would smooth that over. I don't know if 100% I'll say that they'll do it, they'll get it done. But I would like for that to stand alone as far as it's his career. And I don't know, maybe if they even do that and they still plug in somehow the awareness of mental illness or something. But I don't know. I just know as someone who liked Chris Benoit, despite what he did, I would like his career to be celebrated. And I have a Chris Benoit action figure with the World Championship, which I pretty much can do nothing with because he's not alive. And I don't know anyone who would sign it. So Yeah, so you can just kind of have it. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so for for my opinion, like I, I know I think like in baseball, a lot of these guys that were accused of doing steroids haven't gotten into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, I know Pete Rose got caught gambling on baseball, so he hasn't been, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and those things I kind of think like get over it, like okay, some guys were doing steroids, but so was everybody. 
Yeah, is Matt LeBlanc not in because of that? That's why people aren't voting for him. It's the same thing with yeah. It's the same thing going to happen to Alex Rodriguez, uh, Rafael well, he played Palmero. for the Yankees, so I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah, but as far as Chris Benoit goes, like to me, that what he did is something that can never be forgiven, never be forgotten, and I don't want to see him celebrated. Um, but like like you said, I mean, time will tell. I don't know how they could ever even approach it. I personally don't want to see it happen, but like you said, this is your list. So if people agree with you, that's great. If they don't, if they disagree with you, like you said, hit you up on social media or come on the show and give your own list. So he was your 10th guy? Yeah, um, well, I gave like two extras, I guess. That's um, true. You gave Raven, and who was the other one? Uh, Bob Holly. Okay, that's right. Um, so now moving on to combat sports. We had UFC 214. Well, I got um, a couple things. Oh, okay. And Russ and I want to talk about it really quickly. Mm-hmm. One, I don't like that Jason Jordan is acting like Drake. Oh, <laughs> yeah, me neither. And I think him and Cass, him and Big Cass have like some of the most terrible music I've heard in WWE in a long time. Yeah. No argument um, here on that. Yes, it's 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 some some terrible stuff. I'm super happy that Jericho returned. Me too. Uh, Super, I marked out when Cena said this is Super Cena. So did I. Because <laughs> I'm like, wow, he said that on television. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's. I think that's great because he's been doing it like the last couple of years. He's been hitting at stuff that he knows people in the, in the internet community has been saying about him. And he's like definitely been like hitting at it and just kind of bringing it to television. So it's another thing where she's like, love or hate John Cena. You have to love the fact that he's in the know. He knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, I'm still not high on Bailey, but I get why she would be facing Alexa at SummerSlam if she is facing Alexa at SummerSlam. I don't like the revival on what they're doing with them right now. I have not watched uh, Hardy's match probably since WrestleMania because they continue to fight Sheamus or uh, the club. <laughs> Sorry, Alo, but I haven't. Uh, Nia Jax doing that front flip was amazing. Yes, it was great. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. This whole angle and Jason Jordan thing. I'm like initially I was like, oh, this is what this is about. I don't know if I actually like it though. Well, um, they haven't. So, so the first night, obviously, it was the big reveal, and I thought Kurt did a great job of selling it. I thought that first night Jordan did a great job of selling it. Like they did a really good job. They're not trained actors. They did a really good job of selling that story to people who were watching. Yeah, they sold it very well. But, Absolutely. Yeah, since then, they've given us no reason to really like it. It's just like they keep just talking about, so, Kurt Angle's your dad, huh? Yeah, he is. It's great. It's like, okay, we get it. Like like Drake. Yeah, like you already revealed it. The reveal is over. We don't need to keep bringing up that he, I get that's part of his story, but like he doesn't need to still be questioned on it as if we haven't heard him answer that before. And you're right. The, the, I, I've been saying this for two weeks. The The sappy... Like, that whole demeanor has to go. Yeah, Because it's going to turn people on him. Yeah, his theme should have been Hotline Bling. Like, <laughs> but He should have came but out however, in the big chunky turtleneck? Yeah, definitely. But I, However, I do like that he put the picture on Twitter with Kurt's family saying, you know, bonding time. That was a good way to keep the kayfabe going. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, 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 if this is his finisher, 
it pretty much looks like the same finisher that Eric Young has. Yeah. Which, um, and Eric Young does it better. But um, but I I mean I like it. I'm not going against it. Uh, the Seth and Dean thing I like it because Dean actually has some sort of fire in him again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I think Bo Dallas eventually is going to end up with his brother in a tag team because he looks out of place in the Miz to Raj. Um, but I like it for what it is at the moment. Um, and last but not least, I wanted to touch on something you guys talked about last week, the mm-hmm. whole women belt, women's belt situation. Yes. Um, I would like, I'm one of those people who like to see women's tag belts, which I'm pretty sure I said before on the show. Mm-hmm. And I also would like to see a women's mid card belt because I feel like with the influx of females that they're going to have from the Mae Young Classic, all of them are not going to be NXT products. Some of them are ready now to be shot into the main roster product. And I feel like with all of those women coming in, I don't care if it's on Raw. I don't care if it's, well, yeah, it should probably be on Raw. But, um, I feel like there should be a more allotted time for women to do that, to have things, and I feel like a tag belt could be done. I feel like a mid-card belt could be done if they sign a good bit of those women, and they have women there now that they're not even using. Yeah, so I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was still writing for TJR every week, TJRWrestling.net for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, read John Canton's... Uh, stuff it's it's worth the read but uh i wrote right before the brand split happened um i kind of had some ideas of like things i wanted to see happen with the brand split things i didn't want to see happen and one of the things i wanted to see happen i wanted to see the entire women's division on raw because i thought you have a deep roster raw is the quote-unquote a show so they're getting featured prominently on that one show and what we saw happen was it got split in half and there was like four women that were getting used on Raw over and over and over again. For the first like month and a half of SmackDown, it was all five or six women they had were in every segment. And it was just like a free-for-all all the time. But I wrote something maybe like five months into my time there. So it was maybe like early 2016. I was kind of theorizing that like the next boom in wrestling could come from women's wrestling because... The women's fan base hasn't really been completely tapped into, and I thought the women's division could do that. And I even thought, like, eventually, if you build it up enough, it could get its own show. Uh, So for me, I think the best way to add a mid-card title and tag team titles is if you have an entire show dedicated to the women. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it does happen. It'll probably be a while. Why not? Make it a Thursday night show. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they added more You're taking all our other days every <laughs> part of the week anyway, WWE. Give us a Thursday night show, at least one that we probably will watch. Because I haven't watched the, the Cruiserweight show in God knows how long. Yeah, I, I think like I think we'd be more likely to watch it if they did it. Where's, so, Grand, where's Grand Metal League? Uh, Justice for Grand Metal League. I think That's he was. I, want. I think he was on this week, actually. I, I think I wouldn't know because I haven't watched. I want to see him on Raw. Yeah, Derek, I believe Derek told me that Grand Metal League was on 205 Live this week, uh, so he hasn't disappeared entirely. Um, so, but you like? Would you like to see a tag team title or a mid card title for the women happen like immediately, or you like to wait maybe six months until you establish some of these women? I'll give them a year. 
Okay, so you're not saying like you should be doing it right now. You're saying it's something no, it, you should build towards. It would be rushed too soon. Um, I give them a year. Okay. See, see who's who. See what they really have and what they're able to do with them. Yeah, as long as they don't like rush it and do it, I'd be fine with it. Um, that was everything you had wrestling wise. Yep. Okay, so UFC 214, main event obviously. Daniel Cormier versus John Jones 2. This was a highly anticipated rematch. Uh, this was a blood feud, basically, in UFC. These guys cannot stand each other. Um, Cormier has been the champ for two years without having beaten John Jones, so John Jones had that to hold over his head. They've never beaten me, and you can't beat me. Um, I thought it was a great fight. Uh, I did not expect it to end quite the way that it did. Cormier gets knocked out with a left head kick and some vicious ground and pound up against the cage. John Jones has now beaten Cormier twice, wins his title back. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the first time you and I ever talked about this, which was probably about a year ago, you were a John Jones fan and did not like Daniel Cormier, correct? I didn't like... Cormier because I felt like he was trying too hard like I don't know I felt like he was trying too hard to still be a good guy mm -hmm. or he was still a good guy but he was trying to be a bad guy and it just wasn't coming across what like we just like we could tell that you're trying mm -hmm. I feel like now he's he's like in it but he's in it because he actually like feels that way like he's just like all right you got when it comes to john jones you guys are gonna hate me i'm just gonna accept it and be what you want me to be and it doesn't feel like he's trying anymore yeah um, and, and you kind of turned on john jones too right yeah because and I, I don't necessarily fully turn on him because i feel like that whole thing last year it was kind of crazy like he already had strikes on him mm -hmm. um but i wasn't sure as not that he couldn't beat cormier because like i mean we all know that it was possible but the fact of just like i want to i want him to not get in trouble and to actually make this fight yeah like i want to re i want him to really redeem himself not to you know try to pull the wool over eyes and act like he's something that he's not really being at the time mm -hmm. and i want him to actually turn over the leaf make the fight and give him the fight so we really see you know get this this second fight um i actually have i have both i have the posters from the first two the first one that actually happened the, the one last year that did not happen <laughs> um i don't have the poster for this one which i'm really upset about because i would have all three but um so if you're out there and you have that poster and you don't want it that badly please send it to me um dana if you're listening <laughs> please send me that poster um so, but, um, yeah, I just, not that I fully turned on him. I just didn't, I was like, kind of like, I don't know when I have my favorite fighter and they're just like completely messing up time and time again, Adrian Broner. Um, I, <laughs> I, I kind of like, I don't throw you away, but it's just like, I'm not going to fully invest in you until you, until I see that you're fully investing in yourself. So what did you think of the fight itself? It was great. I mean, until, you know, the lights went out for Cormier, um, did you think it lived up to the hype? Yeah, because, I mean, they weren't, like, they weren't pussyfooting around. Like, they were, you know, throwing their kicks and their punches. Like, um, it was, like, you could tell that they really wanted to fight each other. Like, it wasn't, like, mad respect, and it wasn't, like, him trying to coast Tyron Woodley. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it definitely did. I think people probably would have wanted to see it go the whole five rounds before the knockout. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's the fight game, and it happens. Like, you know what I mean? It may not go the four or five rounds. You may get a good two and a half before it's all over with. Um, I would have rather see them go all five rounds, but, you know, it was what it was. John Jones won, which many people believe that he would. Um, I think there was people out there holding some hope to see that, you know, Cormier would would finally get, rid- get that monkey off his back mm-hmm. and not beating him, but no, it is what it is. Yeah. Now, so my thoughts. One, I thought the fight was great. A lot of these fights get built up and they, it doesn't deliver. I thought Jones, for as rusty as he looked against OSP, and as much speculation as there was about he'd have ring rust and he wasn't the same guy anymore, I thought he looked incredible. Uh, I thought his striking was very diverse. I thought he put his combinations together really well. He used, obviously, his size and length advantage and the reach. Like, one of the things I was most impressed about is Cormier was grabbing his wrists while they were standing in front of each other, but his arms are so long, he was able to turn his elbow over and land an elbow almost like it was a punch. You know, well, yeah, I thought that was impressive. Well, as somebody who's like, who's tucking like some very minimal self-defense stuff, mm-hmm. there's definitely ways where somebody grabs your forearms or something like that. There's ways you can twist your forearms that are release you from their hands. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as far as like, I, I didn't, I didn't at all like think that he would have any ring rust or anything like that. Like it's only been a year, and I know like he didn't stop training within that year, like. So I didn't worry about that at all. I think he was very fluent, and he looked very much like yourself. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I really, I caught, there was a piece of me that wanted to see Cormier win just to get that mm-hmm. demon off his back and then fight again. Um, but, you know, this isn't wrestling booking. This is real life booking. <laughs> so things happen. Yeah, I thought Cormier won. He can't, let me ask you, do you mind if I do a Ronnie versus the world on this episode? Go ahead. All right. So, um, my Ronnie versus the world is against fans who were making fun of Daniel Cormier on social media and Frank Mir, former heavyweight champion. Like, Daniel Cormier, that guy wanted to win that fight so bad. That fight meant so much to him. I remember not realizing it until I watched, like, the Dana White video blog embedded or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, and he broke the news to Cormier that Jones tested positive. He wouldn't be able to fight. Yeah, and Cormier was, was devastated and, like, begging Dana, like, please, I'll sign a waiver, anything. I just want to fight this guy. Like, I need to fight this guy. Like, he was heartbroken over yeah. the fact that that fight got canceled. So he's been waiting for this for so long, wanted it so bad. And that dude came in hungry. He came in prepared. He was in great shape. Like, everything about him looked like a guy who was ready to win that fight, even though he wasn't the favorite. He came out, I thought he had a good game plan. I thought he looked really impressive in the stand-up. I thought yeah. that he uh, he was doing a really good job as, as much as I, the, the size advantage and the, the reach would be a problem for anyone. I thought Cormier did a great job navigating it and staying out of trouble. 
he just kind of ducked right into a kick, and that was it. You know, Joe Rogan said he wasn't going to interview guys who got knocked out anymore. I know Rogan has apologized for this since, and I have no hard feelings towards Joe Rogan. It was a huge fight. He got caught up in it. But, you know, the guy has been knocked out. He took probably three or four punches too many while he was laying on the ground. He had no idea what was going on. He probably didn't have all his faculties. And he just lost the biggest fight of his career. And he's emotional. He starts to cry in the ring. And I saw Bleacher Report posted something saying, you know, is this the new Michael Jordan crying meme? A lot of people on social media were posting jokes about the way he responded to getting kicked, the way he kind of like spun around and fell back into the cage. These guys are going in there and putting their literally their lives on the line in there, you know, to put food on their table and to entertain you as fans. You should not be making fun of these guys for getting hurt when they're the ones going out there and doing it. They're the ones that have the courage to get in there and do that. And Frank Mir, he said it was unacceptable for Cormier to be crying in the cage after the fight. Yeah, he should have held it in until he got backstage. Like, and saying all this stuff about, oh, this is still like a masculine thing and he's still a man. You can't can't tell somebody how to react to something. No, like, being a man is not holding in your feelings. Being masculine is not holding in your feelings. Like, being a grown-ass man is about being able to be who you are in any situation and not be afraid to show that. And Daniel Cormier is that guy. That's a stand-up guy. So yeah, something to be ashamed of. Like as far as that, like the other crying memes, like that, like those are funny because they're they weren't things like they weren't this. This yeah. was this was the, probably one of the most appropriate moments where that grown man could cry. And it's like, like to me, I don't mind the memes, but like at the same time, I have the most respect for Cormier. Even like I didn't make fun of him crying because it's like. Like, you could tell this guy, like, this guy's been waiting, like, what, two years to yeah. fight this man? And, like, that's the only thing he's won. He's fought other people, but it's just like, you're obviously just the side show for what I really want. You're the side dish. I want the main course. And he finally gets this fight, and for whatever reason, he comes up short. Like, I would be emotional, too. Like, you waited this whole time. You've had your focus on this one person for the, the matter of two, three years, and you finally get that fight, and you come up short. Yeah. Like, if that's the emotion that that man had after that fight, let that man have that emotion. Not because to mention, he one. was knocked out. He was yeah. down for like two minutes, three minutes after that. Yeah, he's the man in the fight. He prepared well. He fought well. Like, that's the emotion that he had. That's nothing for him to be upset about. That man won in, fought John Jones, gave it his best shot twice, and... You know, he didn't win. So what? But like John Bowen said, he has nothing to be ashamed of. He has nothing to be upset about. That man went in there, well-prepared, fought a good fight. He didn't win. So what? Mm-hmm. There's there's a multiple of a multitude of other people below him who have not beat Cormier. Yeah, like Frank Mir, I now am happy that you got your brakes beaten off by Brock Lesnar. Frank and Mir I'm... could not go in that <laughs> octagon and beat Cormier. No, and I'm, I'm glad... I think Cormier might have beat Frank Mir, actually. And I like Frank Mir, but... Me too. I always liked Frank Mir, and now I don't anymore. (laughs) I don't care, but, like, he can't go in there and beat Cormier today. No. I I just really didn't respect him taking that shot at a guy for being emotional in a situation where he had every reason to be 
emotional. And he didn't have all his faculties about him. He had just gotten knocked out. Um, and another thing I want to say about John Jones, Ronnie versus the world is over. I had turned on John Jones too. See, I thought similar to what you said about Cormier, that he was doing this kind of like fake, like bad guy routine, and it was like very phony to me and very annoying. But I respect the fact that when Big John asked him before he started the match, like touch gloves if you want to. I didn't think they were going to touch gloves, and John Jones extended his hands. And I was like, you know what? I respect that, like, that he showed him that respect. And then when the fight was over, this speech he gave, now let's forget about the Brock Lesnar stuff for now, which was awesome. He could not have been any classier, and especially that he went personal with it, because they said a lot of personal negative stuff about each other. The fact that he said, like, he's a true champion, like, I want to thank him for being my biggest motivator and my biggest rival. And then he said, like, I want to be more like this man, because he's a great man, a great husband, a great father, a great leader. And I was like, I I respect the hell out of this guy now, because he buried it as soon as it was over. Like, Yeah, he didn't allow it to, like, he left that in the ring. And yeah. I feel like that's that's the you know that's the Cena leaving, well, even though it's Cena it's still right. <laughs> that's him leaving the armband in the ring. That's the, the you know the hat and the gloves and the, the jacket from Taker. Like he left that in the ring. The, yeah. This this rivalry, it, whether I think we're going to see it again, honestly, but you know they left that in the ring. Like I, right, the show is over. The you know the build up is over. And like even even in the the tumultuous arguments and things that they've done, mm-hmm. there's always been that respect there to the sense of. I mean, I like this guy. I respect this guy, though. This guy can fight. And that's been on both sides. Like, I don't like you, but I respect the hell out of you. You can fight. Yeah, Cormier always said he was disappointed in John Jones because he always said, you should be the best ever, and you're throwing it away. Yeah, he's definitely said, like, even, like, I forgot what fight he fought, but he said, John Jones, get your shit together. Yeah. I'm waiting for you. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, and I feel like that's, like, even though, like, you may not like somebody, those are the type of rivals where that makes men. Like, because, like, I know there's other guys I can fight in this division, but I don't want to fight other guys in the division. You're the best. I'm the best. We need to settle this. And I'll fight these other guys while you're going through your stuff, but you are the one I want to fight. Get your ass together so we can do this. Yeah, and so I just looked it up. Daniel Cormier did, in fact, beat Frank Mir. Um, I thought I remembered that. And the last thing I want to say about this I feel like sometimes when someone gets knocked out or submitted, people after the fact remember the fight as like, oh, this guy got destroyed. Daniel Cormier did not get destroyed by John Jones the other night. He fought a very good fight. He definitely won at least one round. I you can make an argument that he won both of the first two rounds. Yeah, there's been I've heard some mixed reviews. I heard one round apiece, I heard both rounds, so Yeah. So he was in that fight. He looked great. If they fought again, I would still think Cormier has a chance to win. But ultimate respect to Daniel Cormier. I told you, again, the first time we talked about this guy, I will always have love for him because of how hard he marked out for Seth Rollins cashing in at WrestleMania 31, holding his own replica WWE championship belt, even though he was a UFC champion. So Daniel Cormier, I I sent him a message on Twitter saying nothing to hang your head about, like you're a champion. Still yeah, feel that way. Um, and like, yeah. There's yeah. nothing for him to be upset about. You fought a good fight. You got caught with a kick, which happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like that happens to the best of them. Ax Holly uh ex Ronda Rousey, ex uh Beth Croyer. Yeah. <laughs> like 
<laughs> like it happens, dude. Like, but you've held that title for two years, mm-hmm. and there's nothing. To, there's nothing to worry about. You, if you want to cry, I don't care. If you wanted to piss yourself in the middle of that ring, like that is your business, dude. Like you went in there, you fought a good fight, and at the end of the day, you're still a champ. There's something there's, that, that no one could take away from you what you've accomplished in the last couple of years. Even the way that he moved up the ranks to get to that point. No one could take that away from him. And he was the only guy able to weather the storm that is Anthony Rumble Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Um, so, moving on, we had... Uh, I'm still pissed about that, by the way. I really hate that he retired. Me too. It's a shame. Because that's you know, if, if there's ever a triple threat in MMA, that's the one I want to see. <laughs> what? Jones, Corey, <laughs> That's and, the triple uh, threat that needs. Yeah, that's what needs to happen. A triple threat between those. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it if they did it. I'll tell you that. Um, so we had Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone. I thought a great fight. Um, I know you tuned in late and just missed it. Did you ever get to watch it or no? Uh, no. I'm still, still, just pissed about that. Yeah. Well, Robbie Lawler got the win in what I felt was like a pretty close fight. Very yeah, good my- fight. One of my close friends is a Robbie Lawler fan, so I definitely knew before I even tuned in that he won. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it was a good fight. If you get a chance, go back and watch it. It was very enjoyable. I definitely am. Those are two guys. Like I said, those are two great guys. That's the fight I really wanted to see besides mm-hmm. Jones and Cormier. Um, and Donna Cerrone will be back tomorrow. He's yeah. going to be fight- like He fights <laughs> everything and everyone. That guy does not care. He wants to check. He wants the television time. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, do you mind fighting a mop on this card? Donna Cerrone is fighting a mop on that <laughs> card. So, would you pay to see that? I would pay to see that because he would probably make it look very interesting. Now, would he kill the business the way they, that Jim Cornette says uh, Kenny Omega killed the business by wrestling a little girl? I don't subscribe to anything Jim Cornette says. <laughs> okay. Uh, we had Cyborg. You either, uh, Russo. Yeah, oh god. We had Cyborg against Evinger. Um very very impressive fight from Cyborg. Um I knew how devastating she was. I hadn't seen her fight in a long time. I saw her fight back in Strike Force like a few years ago. What I was most impressed with and I I kind of hate that almost every time I talk about MMA somehow BJ Penn comes into the conversation. <laughs> it's okay, man. But I noticed, and you'll remember I mentioned this to you and Prep during the fight, that I noticed uh, Jason Perillo was in her corner. He's her striking coach. He was BJ Penn's striking coach during the most dominant run of his career in, like, 2008-2009. And I saw, like, a lot of what made BJ so good. He was known early in his career for, like, gassing out after the first round of a fight. And... Jason Perillo, along with uh, the Marinovich brothers, they kind of trained him on conserving his energy and saving it for, like, explosions when he had an opportunity to explode. And it made him a more patient fighter and a more dangerous fighter. I saw that in Cyborg, where she wasn't just, like, a bat out of hell going for an immediate knockout. She was patient. That girl was not giving her a ton of openings. She was kind of staying away, tying her up when she had the chance going for takedowns. Cyborg did a great job of, like, when something was there, she took it. And it just accumulated throughout the fight, and she put her away, and I don't know how anyone's going to beat that woman. Tanya Evinger, hats off to you. Because, (laughs) first of all, Donnie versus the world. 
Durant and me. What the hell was that? <laughs> you give up the title because you don't want to fight Cyborg? Yes, Did she lose her smile like HBK? <laughs> we knew she was going to knock your face off, but damn, at least get in the ring? Yeah. What the hell was that? Yeah, that, that's embarrassing. I, that, was, that was already known, though. Like They've been saying that for months that she said she doesn't want to fight. I wouldn't want to fight Cyborg. I'm a grown man. I yeah. weigh more than Cyborg. I wouldn't want to fight Cyborg. But you have the title, damn it. Get in the ring. Mm-hmm. What are you, you gave up the title? Yeah, why even fight for a title in the first place if you're not willing that to defend it? That you know the division is made for her <laughs> in the first place. The only reason you're fighting for it is because she can't. Yeah. Yeah, you were impressed with her fight, though? Chris Cyborg? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a Cyborg fan. I knew it was going to happen. That division is made for her. I'm impressed with Tanya Evinger that she hung in there mm-hmm. and took the punches that she did because she took some punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she took a lot of nasty leg kicks, right? Absolutely. And the punches were pretty bad. She knocked her bun loose. Yeah. She knocked her, <laughs> her ponytail loose. Um, yeah, I'm looking. I don't know who she's going to fight next. Holly Holmes. I'll take it. Is that who they have? They talked about that already, or no? I've no, really but I don't attention. see why not. Holly Holmes. I mean, she deserves it. Durand and me ran away. She's never going to fight her, probably. Yeah. No, I can't imagine she'd fight her now. The so, only I mean, the only thing I could see happening, and I think Joe Rogan may have said this during the fight, is that Evinger had a game plan that kept her around for most of three rounds. Um. He said, like, maybe Durandamy is at home saying, you know what, I'm better than Evinger, and I could employ this game plan better than she is. Maybe I'd have a chance. So maybe, but I'd be surprised if she fought her. Oh, I I wish you could see my face right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. It looks good, kill. The only person, like I said, that I think could fight her and give her at least stand up competition and I've, I said this the last episode but I didn't know at the time that they're actually friends mm-hmm. is a chick named Gabby Garcia uh, and they're actually friends yeah. so I, I don't know if they'll one I don't know if they'll sign her and two I don't know if they would actually fight what about the rumor but, that Cyborg is going to be at SummerSlam against Becky Lynch I want to where did that come from I don't well she said it herself <laughs> she called out Becky Lynch after the fight <laughs> On Saturday, I don't see that going well. <laughs> and Becky responded to it. And, I see. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, for the moment, I, I wouldn't mind it. Whatever you got, Cyborg in the WWE ring. That's cool. Yeah. Now the only um, thing is, Cyborg doesn't have the level of stardom that Rousey had yet. No, not yet. But uh, I even saw it on one of the dirt sheets that they were saying like they think it's going to happen. UFC owes WWE a favor for them letting Brock fight on UFC 200. So they think that may be the return of the favor is getting Cyborg against Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. Well, isn't one of the four horsemen from MMA in the Mae Young Classic? Shayna, Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler, however you say her name. Yeah, and I, I know they were heckling uh, the four horsewomen of wrestling at the event, too. I yeah. There was, like, a video about that out. Um, but, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean... The only other person who they could bring over that would be the favorite is Connor, and we know what Connor is busy with. So yeah, he's way too busy. So yeah, I mean, I don't see why not Cyborg get her profile up. Um, and 
Another thing, I, I should have mentioned this before, the godfather of the Matt Madness podcast, Joe Lafferty, was on the show this week, and he said he wants to see John Jones sitting front row at SummerSlam. I'd rather see Cormier because he's an actual fan. <laughs> he's an actual fan, but th- this could be to hype up Brock versus John oh, yeah, Jones yeah, yeah, in UFC. Okay. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, blanked out for a minute. Do you want to see blanked that? Blanked out for a minute. I will love it. Who do you think wins? Uh, John Jones. Ah, me too. Um, I would love to see it happen. Like, well, this is what I told a friend of mine. If Brock is on the roids, John Jones needs he he at least needs to be able to have a gun in the ring. Yeah, I think Brock has a huge reach too, though, because he is going to have to shoot the limbs off of, of of Brock to stop those roids. Now, if Brock is a regular human being that night, I think that John Jones wins because he's just going to pick him off. Yeah, um, I'm looking this up right now because I'm pretty sure Brock Lesnar has a monster reach too, 81 inch reach. So he's actually in the same ballpark as John Jones reach-wise. So it may not be quite as much of a disadvantage as almost everybody else has. Um, and Brock obviously is monstrously strong. Well, yeah, he's definitely bigger. But John Jones, um, I'd be very interested to see that fight, and I hope it happens. And I hope they get John Jones in the crowd at SummerSlam for that. I would love to see them play into it. Yeah, rather than Gronkowski. Yeah, now last thing from UFC 214 I had to get into was the welterweight championship, Woodley against Damian Maya. Mm-hmm. I know you hate Tyron Woodley. Um, oh I know why you don't like... Okay, I know why you don't like Tyron Woodley. Um, Press the guy. He does, he, he, you're right. <laughs> okay, you're right. He does hate him. I think I was lumping you in with that. I don't cannot him. I stand him. severely corny, but I don't hate him. Yeah, now, my feeling, and I get why some people are pissed about the way that fight went, but, the, I mean, the name of the game is to win the fight. And if the guy literally has only one way to beat you, you might as well just do everything you can to avoid that one thing. Now, he could have been more aggressive. He closed his one eye. He had the other eye busted up a little bit. He could have been more aggressive and and engaged more. But I understand why he didn't. Um, and I do think that Dana White is wrong for straight up just insulting the guy in yeah, the press he, conference. He, he's super through that. He threw him under the bus quickly. And Tyron Woodley, I don't know if you saw him on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, basically saying, like, Dana owes me a public apology, and if I don't get it, I am going to start airing out some things that you don't want people to know about. Yeah, I heard about it. I don't know how that's going to work out for him, but um, I heard about it. Um, I wouldn't know what secrets he has. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know how that's going to work out for him. Like He doesn't have much of a leverage, especially being that Dana doesn't like him right now. I don't know. How, he's not Connor. So I don't know like how that's going to work out for him. I mean, the, the one bit of leverage he has is he is the champion. Yeah, um, but I mean... I also I think it's wrong, and we've discussed this before, that now they're giving GSP Michael Bisping again. Are like, they? I thought that was – well, I think he. I think Dana's doing that now because he just told Woodley that whoever wins out of those two, they would get the fight. So I guess he's doing that to, to, to spite Woodley now. Yeah, they said it's official already. It's been signed. Yeah, he did that to spite Woodley. He did, and it's like GSP has never fought at 185. GSP, when he was dominating at 170, 
had numerous opportunities to go up and challenge Anderson Silva at 185 in a super fight, and he was always too afraid to do it. Now all of a sudden he sees Michael Bisping, who he thinks isn't that good, and he's like, oh, now I want to do it. To me, you don't deserve it. I think I think Dana should have kept his word. And if you don't like what Woodley did, then put him in there with George St. Pierre and bet your chips on St. Pierre and see if St. Pierre do what you're hoping that he'll do. Right, because it's not like GSP is the most active, uh, exciting fighter in the world anymore. Yeah, he's coming back off of, what, two years, three years off, something like that? Maybe Three, more? Or, three or four years off. And ever since he got knocked out by Matt Serra in maybe 2006 or seven, after the Ultimate Fighter, he's been afraid to really stand up with people. And his whole game plan is just take people down and hold them on the ground. That's not exactly the most exciting style. But I would have been interested to see, because GSP was known for his takedowns. Uh, Woodley is known for the fact that he's only ever been taken down one time in his career. I would be really curious to see if GSP could take him down. But we won't get to see that now. We get to see him fight Michael Bisping for a title that he does not deserve to have a shot at. Yeah, I feel like that was trash for Dana. I feel like that was a... You shouldn't have had your emotions in that. Yeah, to me, you're the boss. Like, carry yourself like it. Don't you shouldn't be a jerk to the guys you have under contract. Yeah, I feel like he he should have he should have he shouldn't have had his emotions in that. He should have stuck with his guns and what he said he was gonna do. <clears throat> yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, McGregor and Mayweather. Uh, they've started the the Showtime uh, series about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I forgot what it's called for Showtime. I know HBO is twenty four seven, but yeah, I forget what it's, it's called too. It's something else on Showtime. Um, Showtime. If you send us the check, then we'll remember. Um, <laughs> I'll take that but, Showtime money. Yeah, you know, you guys got power. You're, you're raking in dough right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 kind of a weird dynamic because it's like these guys don't really hate each other. Um. But the stuff that they've been doing, it makes it seem as if they do. Yeah. And it's weird to see, like, Connor doesn't have Floyd money. Mm-hmm. But Connor has the same, he carries himself the same way that Floyd yeah. does, in a sense. So I think that's very interesting to see two guys from two different worlds who kind of carry themselves the same way and seeing the build up for this fight. Because at this point, watching this show, is just pretty much going to see them tr- see these two training and mm-hmm. live in this lavish lifestyle that they live. And for me, I think that's important because Floyd's not fighting some guy who's fighting him just well. He is fighting a guy fighting him to get a payday, but it's not like somebody who like is not coming from big fights or big money. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to see somebody who is as flashy and you know arrogant and ways as Floyd and it's kind of like seeing the the Irish mirror of himself yeah I I definitely agree with that like they're they both kind of carry themselves in a similar way they both see themselves as like bigger than the game itself um and to your point about them not hating each other I don't know if Connor has hated anyone that he's fought I think he gets obviously he tries to sell the fight he tries to get in a guy's head but when you see all these specials, when like they'll show him a video of like what a guy said about him leading up to the fight, he always cracks up 
at whatever they say about him. Like, he thinks it's funny. And he's yeah, always because, respectful to guys after the fight. Yeah, like, I mean, like, when he fought Nate, he had respect for Nate. Mm-hmm. He knew he had, to, he knew he had to promote this fight and say something. But he, he had respect for Nate. Even with Floyd, he respects Floyd. Mm-hmm. He knows he has to say some things about Floyd to promote this fight. And Floyd knows that. Yeah. And I feel like this is, like, just seeing these two promoting against each other, it was just... It was entertaining in itself because just like these are two guys who they don't really hate each other, but they're two of the best to promote fights. And it just made it very interesting for this fight. Now, I don't know what people are really expecting from this fight. I'm not expecting a whole lot, to be honest. But as far as the build up for it, I'm expecting a lot because this should be the most entertaining thing in the world. I'm, I'm not expecting this to be like Ali Frazier or something like that or like. Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler from back in the 80s. I am expecting it to be something, though. Like, some people think it's just going to be a one-sided, absolute domination, embarrassment for Connor. I am expecting Connor to put up somewhat of a fight. Um, I think he wants it too much. I think he works too hard for him not to compete. I think Floyd is the, a huge favorite for a reason. I think he, by all rights, should win this fight fairly easily. But the closer it gets to this fight, the more confident I am in Conor McGregor. I have a hard time not believing in him. Because he's proven everybody wrong every step of the way already. I respect the fact that he's gotten as far with this thing when a lot of people said impossible when it happened. Mm-hmm. I respect the fact that he's taken it more than serious. If Connor can last the first five rounds without gassing out, that will tell me a lot about the next couple of rounds of that fight. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any chance of if it's a straight up boxing match for twelve round, a twelve round decision. I don't see how Connor wins that. But I do think there's a chance that Connor could connect with a left hand. I think he may be just unorthodox enough, just unconventional, unconventional enough. That because Floyd is known for being super prepa- prepared and being such a great defensive fighter and having an answer for whatever anyone does. It may take him a while to figure out the answer for Connor because he's never fought somebody that fights like Connor. Well, it's like my famous saying goes. In order to have a puncher's chance, you got to be able to punch the guy. Yeah. And I feel like the only person that their timing was kind of weird against Floyd's deflection was Maidana. Mm. And I feel like, depending on what Connor throws and the hesitation behind how quick that's coming towards Floyd's face. It could be a difference maker. I don't. I'm not saying it's a difference maker for him to win because I don't see Connor winning. Especially mm-hmm. if it goes 12 rounds, there's no way he's winning. He's gonna get outpunched the whole fight. It's just it's it's just what happens when you fight Floyd Mayweather. You're gonna get outpunched. You may not get knocked out, but you will be outpunched. Um, especially the last six rounds. I mean, the, yeah, the last six rounds you're gonna get outpunched. Period. Um, but I think. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he, Floyd's gonna knock him out. I think Floyd is gonna counter punch, and he's gonna. And you know, like I said, really, 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 honestly, I feel like 
Floyd is just going to counterpunch. I don't think he's going to try to go for the knockout. I think the thing that's really going to make the fight stretch is Connor's endurance. If he has the endurance to go to 12 rounds, then the fight of Connor be what it'll be. But if his endurance is trashed by the third, fourth, fifth round, it's going to be hard to carry him the next couple of rounds. Yeah, so I I mostly agree with just about everything you just said. Um, and I think you're right about just your analysis of what Floyd does and what Floyd should do. So I have one kind of theory about Connor's gas tank, and then I have my case to make for Connor. Um, so my theory about his gas tank is I think he should be good through the 12 rounds. I mean, he's fought 25-minute fights before, which are five five-minute rounds. So these these rounds are only going to be three, and then he gets a rest, three minutes, gets a rest, three minutes, gets a rest. He's not carrying the weight of a bigger guy, holding him up against the cage. He's not fighting against takedowns. He's not worrying about kicks. And so he's got that kind of stuff off his plate. Um, I also think that some of it's going to depend on Connor. So it's I don't think Floyd is going to try to like overwhelm him with like barrages of punches. Yeah. Connor kind of waits or I'm sorry, Floyd kind of waits back, picks his spots. I think if Connor gets impatient and starts just going after him and missing a lot of punches, he's going to wear himself out. I, I think don't. I think if he's able to stay patient as well and pick his spots, I think he's likely to be able to last later into the rounds. I'm not predicting Connor to win, at least not yet, but I do see a pathway to victory for him. I think there's a lot to be said for him being 11 years younger. I think there's a case to be made for Connor wants to win this thing way more than Floyd. This matters way more to Connor than it does to Floyd. I think Floyd is like, I'm going to make all this money, I'm going to get this guy out of here, and that's it. This means a lot to Connor. He's working really hard. He believes in himself so much. And he's the bigger, stronger guy. I think that there are ways he can win. I think it's not likely he'll win. But I won't be shocked if he does. And like I said, every day that goes by, I'm a little more confident in Connor than I was the day before. And we'll see. I might look like a fool for being confident in him. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens. I think it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of people who are confident in him, but I feel like it's hard. I'm confident in Conor. I'm not confident in him to win. Confident in him to get in that fight and to be able to last. <clears throat> but as somebody who, who has watched both of them, I've watched Floyd longer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to see somebody coming in who has an arsenal of weapons that they have to use in, normally in their fights yeah. coming in and they have to just focus on one. Now, there's a there's a, there's a an advantage in that but there's also a disadvantage when you're fighting someone who is the best in the sport consistently for years who is known to fight a multitude of fighters pretty much the same exact way and have the same exact result. So it's hard for people who have seen both fighters, especially Floyd, and to to change an opinion of, oh, Floyd might get hurt or Floyd might lose. Yeah, have you, have you ever heard the phrase Uckham's Razor? No. So I don't know where this phrase was coined. The first time I ever heard it was on the TV show Scrubs. And basically it's a phrase that means, like, whatever 
I'm trying to remember now exactly what it is. Maybe I need to look it up real quick. Because you just said something that led me right to this. Um, you basically said, made the point of, people have seen Floyd for so long fight so many guys the same way and get the same result. And it's hard for anyone to see it being turning out any different. Um, so Uckham's Razor is a problem-solving principle attributed to William of Uckham, who was an English Franciscan friar. Okay, we don't need all that. His principle states that among hy competing hypotheses, the one with the fewest assumptions should be selected. So basically, whatever is the easiest answer is probably the right answer. Um, that's Occam's razor in this situation is we've seen Floyd do a certain thing to all these guys for all these years and get the same result why are we overthinking it and thinking it's going to be any different so there is a part of me that feels like that like if Oscar De La Hoya couldn't do it who's an all time great if Manny Pacquiao couldn't do it who's an all time great uh, if any of these guys like Ricky Hatton who was a great fighter if any of these guys couldn't do it why should Connor be able to do it well, the last couple of guys that I would say, like, it was more intriguing of how they were fighting Floyd, I would say, is Madonna and, and uh, Shane Mosley. The Shane Mosley fight. He like, definitely rocked him. I thought he had him, and he didn't. <laughs> he definitely rocked him. There was a punch that Shane threw that rocked Floyd. Yeah, I think he hit, like, anyone. a left hook and a right uppercut, maybe, and it dropped and, him. Yeah, anybody who watches boxing and has seen that fight, they know. Like, I don't care what Floyd say, Floyd say, no, I was, you know, I was good. You weren't good. Shane rocked you. Mm-hmm. And so, he was rocked for, like, a good 30 or 40 seconds after he got back up. Yeah, he was rocked. Um, so, I don't know. I know Connor is on a different spectrum because his fighting requires more. Now, if he can, now me personally, me knowing that, if I was Connor, I would go find wherever Maidon is hiding with his batch of money <laughs> and try to dig him up and say, dude, can you at least lace him up one more time to show me some things that I need to see? Find Shane Mosley and say, dude, what do you have? Tell mm -hmm. me what I need to do. Not Paulie Malinaji, who is. <laughs> A laughable boxer, in my opinion. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't, like I said, I don't, I credit Connor for getting this far and for seriously preparing for this fight. And I hope he lasts all the rounds so that people will get their money's worth out mm -hmm. of it. Those who are paying for it, I don't see me paying for it. <laughs> but, but uh, I hope he lasts the 12 rounds. I hope that his all this work that he's putting in will get him to the 12 rounds. However, I see Floyd winning. And and this is somebody who's a fan of both fighters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair prediction. I think most people probably feel that way. Uh, you have one more top 10 list. Your top 10 favorite boxers growing up. I would like yeah. to hear who those 10 are. First of all, shout out to all the great fighters that are out there now. Mm -hmm. I can easily name 10 that are out there now that are great. Um, so, we're going to start with Roy Jones. Um, I would probably say he's, in my opinion, one of the more complete package boxes from when I was growing up. Might be um, the best athlete ever in a boxing ring. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like I just, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who didn't like Roy Jones at the time. Mm -hmm. like, 
He just was who he was. Now, this this guy, I believe, is the first boxer I've seen that even made me look at a boxing match. Mm-hmm. Hector, Macho, Hector Macho Camacho. I remember the Macho Man. And I, I, he had all, you know all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. on, and I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he looks cool. Yeah, he did look cool, and that made me watch him. Um, Mike Tyson. Okay. I'd be hard pressed, besides maybe Holyfield, anyone who, or uh, the guy that he he beat up in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who doesn't like Mike Tyson? Mm-hmm. Uh. Lennox Lewis. Okay. I was a fan of Lennox Lewis for a while. Obviously, Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this guy was one of my favorites. He quit boxing probably in the midst of his prime, and I'm very upset about it. But, you know, everybody isn't in things for the politics of it. Winky Wright. I loved Winky Wright. He was great. He was an amazing boxer. I'm very pissed and upset. That he left the sport, but I understand when politics is too much in the way of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you leave, and I understand that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Bernard Hopkins, I was a B Hop fan for mm-hmm. a good period of time. Felix Trinidad, I was a Felix fan for a period of time. And the this this last one is two people, and I said both of them because they have my my favorite fight trilogy fight period <laughs> and boxing and it's going to Mickey Ward and rest it, rest rest in peace to Toro Gotti mm-hmm. two good ones and they were three unbelievable fights and there was not a guard there was not a block there was not <laughs> retreatment anywhere in sight in those three fights each fight was like they you might as well just paste them all together on one reel because it was just like they just picked up right where they left off you wouldn't even thought like this was a whole new fight the second one a whole new fight the third one it just looked like they like literally toweled off and like went right back in for two more fights like the same night yeah that's a good list um i know one guy like i i'm a fan of all those guys another guy i would throw i don't have a top 10 i haven't really thought about it but like pernell whitaker was a guy i liked a lot he might have been gone by the time you started watching boxing uh, I was a big Oscar De La Hoya fan for a while. Oscar may have been 11 for me. Uh, a guy who, he was a Philadelphia fighter. He didn't have the biggest pro career because he got an eye injury and his eyelid wouldn't open all the way and it kind of ended his career. But he was a very good fighter. I think his name was David Reed. He won a gold medal in the 96 Olympics. Uh, he may He may have won a title. In boxing, but he had that eye injury and just was never the same. Uh, he was a guy I liked a lot. Uh, I liked Vinny Pazienza, who got destroyed by Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr. is my favorite of all time as well. Uh, and Mike Tyson is right up there. Anyone who's ever seen me in person has probably seen me wearing a Mike Tyson hoodie somewhere along the way. Or a Muhammad Ali hoodie, one or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that was a good list. Uh, I, and- may, I may try to put one together myself. And for you old heads out there, Muhammad Ali is not on my list because I did not watch him fight. <laughs> yeah, you're not old enough. How is Ali not on the list? Because I didn't watch him fight. I know about him. 
Right, but, but you didn't I, get to experience him first. I didn't grow up on, yeah, I didn't grow up on, because, you know, people, where's Ali? Where's Foreman? It's mm-hmm. like, I was not born when they were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last segment of the show, this is a segment you came up with, a list of questions. Would you like to refresh the listener's mind on what this segment is called? This is called the Straight Fire. All right, what? so you, yes, you asked me these uh, probably about a month or so ago. You asked Vanity these questions. Now it is my turn to ask Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd this list of questions. So are you ready? Yes. All right, question number one. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Ric Flair. Any particular reason? Because he's Ric Flair. He's the, he's the best. He's Ric Flair. Yeah, that's really all he, you need he, to say. He's, <laughs> he's probably one of a couple of wrestlers who has transcended amongst cultures mm-hmm. besides wrestling. No, oh, yeah. And the dude, the dude is, like, doing stuff with rappers these <clears> days. Like, <throat> so, yeah, he's still Ric Flair to this day. <laughs> yeah, like, he's Ric Flair. And Hogan, I know some people say, oh, is it because of the race thing? No, it's not because of the race thing. It's because he plummeted WCW. <laughs> so his work in WCW is why he falls to Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean... Ric Flair is why he falls to Ric Flair. But <laughs> whatever, like if it's Ric Flair or Hogan, I'm going Flair. Fair enough. Number two, Goldberg or Stone Cold Steve Stone Austin? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I knew that one was coming. He's my all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. Contrary to Alo only posting Scott Hall and Mr. Perfect on episode <laughs> promos for this show. Um, NWO or Degeneration X? <sighs> um. Uh, NWO. All right. Uh, number four, Trish Stratus or Lita? Mm. Uh, even though I still am holding on to what she did to Matt, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to go with Lita. <laughs> okay. Because I feel like Lita was the more athletic and talented one. Okay. Uh, Sting or The Undertaker? What the hell was the I doing? The icon or made, the phenom? What was I doing when I made these questions? <laughs> I, I don't think I ever thought that I would have to answer these. <laughs> uh, Sting or Taker? I followed Sting for a longer period of time. I would say Sting. Okay. Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff? Paul Heyman. All right, knew that one. Was I am, I'm an ECW guy. So. <laughs> Person deceased or retired that you wanted to see win a world title but never did. Deceased or retired? I don't know why I'm pondering this question. Like I didn't write these. <laughs> uh, well, the obvious ones that have already been out there, Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Rude, uh, Scott Hall. I'm going to go with. Hmm. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of guys out there, but it seems like it's a small window at the same mm-hmm. time. Because there's some guys that are just glaring. Huh. Taz. All right. Um,. Matt Hardy version one or broken Matt? Version one. 
Because he's wow. the reason that SmackDown has that side thing that they use now. <laughs> All right. And he was bringing a lot of his friends along during that time to be with him and stuff. All right. Shooting Star Press or Five Star Frog Splash? Shooting Star Press. All right. What about the Six Star Frog Splash from Kevin Owens? I still like to call it the Bull Star. <laughs> I, I like that too, the Bullfrog Splash. But um, Shooting Star Press, it's a harder move to pull off. Mm-hmm. And Billy Kidman did it flawlessly every time. Yes. And uh, it almost killed Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it did almost kill Brock Lesnar. Uh, number 10, <clears throat> final question. If you could build a stable with four wrestlers and a manager, who would they be? Hmm. I would say... Damn, I was almost thinking Ravenflock for a second. <laughs> uh, Dangerous Alliance is damn near close to probably what I would pick too. <laughs> um, Mr. Perfect. There'd probably be a lot of my favorite wrestlers. Mr. Perfect, Scott Hall, Rick Rude, and I would round it out. Eddie Guerrero. Okay. And for a manager. Hmm. For a manager. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Manager. Manager. I probably. I, I'm a Heyman guy. I probably say Heyman. All right. That's a good one to go with. Um. I guess that is the show for this evening. Did you have anything you wanted to add before we close it out? No, I'm still flabbergasted by these questions. That I can't... <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have you answer them again. <laughs> and I'm, see if the answer I'm, change I'm, at all. Sir, I'm done the questions. I'm still in like deep thought. So. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always another opportunity. Okay, so just a reminder, this was the perfect edge. We have Matt Madness. We have Falls Count Anywhere. We have an unsanctioned with Josh Prepaguina and Anthony Cortez Haynes. Um, check those shows out. Uh, if you like any of the shows, give us a five-star review. Uh, follow us. Subscribe to us. Uh, that is the show for... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes. August 12th, we will be in the 2300 Arena. Uh, for Icons of Wrestling in House of Hardcore, the Matt Madness family will be in there in full effect. Make sure that you come highlight us. Come check our table out. We have a table, right? We do. Come check our table out. We'll have championship belts and all types of memorabilia. Some will be for sale, some will not, so do not touch it. <laughs> and you will know we're there because we will be there as thick as we was in June or May, whichever the last one event was. So come check us out. Yes. Eight, eight short days until August 12th. At 2300 Arena. Uh, so, yes, for the face of the heel, the mouth of the bout, Don DiBiase, the whole effing podcast, Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd, I am, Ron, <laughs> I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next time. Top This is bigger than me. Yeah, I'm just making it clear. Give me the space in the clear. When you see I appear, got that black and white gear. And we in the fifth gear. And you know we don't care if they whip or they against. We don't mean to make offense, but yo, we mean with our offense. The scene is finna switch. My team got it on clinch. If the scene that you ain't green, then we gon' lean at your expense. This angle, but has a twist. It's the hill. 
real one for a real one. Left lane deals for a real one. And they know the fake from the real ones. You hear that guitar riff? They switch up the stance quick. They think we want Hollywood. You can't understand it. You see who I stand with? My team is outstanding. We came with a plan, but see your plans with you handed. You hear that guitar riff? They switch up the stance quick. They think we want Hollywood. You can't understand it. You see who I stand with? My team is outstanding. We came with a plan, but see your plans with you handed.